Hey, I'm Drew. And I'm Tim. And this is the Hearts and Hands Podcast. In episode 39, we talked to Mike Wessendorf about the process of creating an album. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Drew Sonnenberg, joined as always by my co-host, Tim Babbler. Tim, how are you doing? Doing pretty well. Uh, we had a great conversation this week with Mike Westendorf, really getting into the process of what's it like to create an album in a process, especially one that can take multiple years. And uh, I, I really think he's got some great insights there and some great encouragement for others who, who are creatives and uh, encouragement for others who just want to know the, the heart behind all these songs. So why don't we get right into this interview? Today we're excited to welcome back to the podcast our good friend Mike Westendorf. Welcome back, Mike. Hey, good to be here. Mike, for those who follow our social media accounts, they've probably seen us share your new album is just has just come out. And we're hoping to just chat about that a little bit today and talk about the process behind that. So the first question I had for you is, where did the theme for the album come from? And I guess thinking like did you have a theme first and then you wrote songs or was it the other way around i you know honestly tim i i a lot of times will be writing songs as one-offs so um, most of my albums when you listen to them from start to finish they they really represent uh significant moments of my life that i'm just trying to take in and and communicate something that's been either an aha moment or something that moved me, something that I witnessed. And it's usually over the course of about a three or four year period where those songs have come. So I've never actually sat down and said, I want to write a song uh, or an album about X, Y, or Z. The only time I did that was with the Christmas album that I had a really clear idea of what I wanted to try to do. But for the rest of them, it's, it's generally been, this is what's been on my heart that's made it into song uh, over the last four years or so. So it just happens that that there was a pretty pronounced theme as as this album came together, you know, with which everything for good was really. It, it's kind of interesting how it all fell together. We'll put it that way. Yeah. Can you uh, walk us through the narrative a bit? Yeah. So we we encountered something uh, as a family that I've never I've never dealt with before. That a lot of other families uh, in the world deal with. Uh, loosely, I would. I would sum it up as the reality of um, anxiety realized. In fact, uh, the last three years, four years, the stretching that God did for, for my faith life and just helping me see the Christian life in, through a new lens. You know, the gospel didn't change, but it just got so much deeper and more profound as we worked through some, some really challenging circumstances in, in our family. And then, of course, as is often the case, you start hearing that uh, there are a lot of other people who are being challenged by similar things. And in the in the hardest day, in the hardest moments of, of that, and when I have full permission to share, I'll, I'll, it's a story that I really do want to share with people, uh, but I have to, it's got to be the right season for it. But just with anxiety there, the hardest days, that whole picture of Romans 8, and just this idea that it's amazing to me that that when you have nothing to say, I mean, you, you're just left dumbfounded, uh, speechless, that the Holy Spirit is groaning for you uh, with groans that words cannot express. I love the old NIV 
translation of that picture. And I can remember being in that moment and then to be able to step away from that moment, you know, three years later and to look back and see just who God put in our life, the promises. I mean, at times it's all that you were clinging to is the promise. There wasn't a better day tomorrow for weeks, you know, but you're just holding on to a promise and, and, you know, while you're holding on to that, that little promise from God, you, you start to just see that sitting in the palm of his hands. And so everything for good wound up being kind of the title track of that. But I realized that a lot of the songs that I had wanted to do with that mighty fortress and uh, in the waiting, which is a prayer based on, uh, Oh, come, come, Emmanuel. And some of the other, the songs just kind of bubbled out of it. It really just was so fitting to see it come around that Romans 8 passage, that God really does work everything for the good of those who love Him in light of eternity. Not in light of tomorrow, but in light of eternity, God is working all things for our good and His glory. And and so that kind of became the, the theme that is subtly woven through all of it, as it turns out, kind of a God thing. Yeah, it seems like it's a pretty timely message, too, if you consider what's going on in the world. I mean, what do you see as the greater impact of this besides, you know, just getting into a, some homes and some, you know, ears, people listening to it? What do you really hope to, to see happen with this album and the message behind it? That's a great question, Tim. You know, as, as, a, as an artist, I, I've heard it said from another artist that the, the greatest compliment you can give a songwriter is that God allowed us to be part of the soundtrack your life. And as a Christian artist, praying that I'm faithful to scripture as a songwriter, and if God uses those songs to speak peace, joy, hope, and and it's something that lasts, that's probably my greatest hope. And then from there, it's really a matter of, you know, does God give any any of the songs a a platform that reaches uh, to a larger needs to to hear this? And I think I've just seen, Tim, with the college students that I work with, uh, with this whole Gen Z coming up, the fears that they have and the, ang- that then, and the anxieties that they have because they don't feel that they have a safe place to go to talk to. And part of that's developmental just because of their age. But I think my hope is that perhaps this album may be able to spark that conversation. How do we say you are amazing when I'm going through something that is anxiety and shame inducing? Um, how do I get my, my eyes on Jesus? Can I really trust it? It'll work everything for good. Who is this mighty fortress that we're talking about? Crying out, give me Jesus. You know, my hope is that for those of, of us who wrestle with anxiety, that that these songs will remind you of what God does. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great stuff, especially when you're talking about the work with college students. I think there's there's good things coming, which is awesome. You had mentioned earlier on, on the show here and on social media that this album took a lot of time to create. So what actually goes into the whole process? Because most of us just see the finished product. We have no clue what goes into it. Right. right. I sh- you should go and ask my wife that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, each album's a little bit different. This one was, was special to me from the standpoint of the last one I released was in 2015. So I do tend to release albums about every three or four years just because of how busy life is. And I'm hoping that I can do more with that in the future. But the last one I worked in Nashville and worked through a record label and got a chance to work with a lot of the big session players that are down there. And that process is amazing. That process, you'll pay for it. 
but you basically have about 90 minutes. You play your song for them acoustically. They chord chart it out. I tell them a story behind it, what I'm, I'm kind of looking and trying to tell and what I want the music to help me tell the story, if you will. And then literally an hour later, they hand me all of the, the backing tracks. It's done. And I just have to go add vocals and we got to do the mix. Now that costs money. It's about twelve, thirteen hundred dollars a song to do it that way. Um, but I also don't have any control over it. Whatever comes out is what it is. And if you want to have something redone, well, it's going to cost you. Um, and honestly, those guys are so good that you don't really want to mess with it. But one of the things that, that will happen is sometimes you will lose the vision for what you wanted to do with it musically for yourself. And that's usually the complaint about Nashville um, songs is that, well, it sounds like everything else in Christian music. Be authentic to you. And that would be the occasional thing I would hear. And this time I worked with uh, Alex Bennett who in Milwaukee. He's a Berkeley grad really passionate about sound and engineering and he and he likes to push buttons uh, a little bit to bring the best out of out of now i haven't worked with somebody like that who has said mike that's not good enough <laughs> because it's your baby and it's and it's it's a scary thing to let somebody else into your heart and hear them say i think you can say that better and so it was it was neat for me to have a young producer push me and for me, as an experienced songwriter and music, to be able to push him, push back a little bit, too, so that his development, his engineering and producing would develop. And I would say that the two of us grew, drew together uh, very well. And that this album is probably most authentically me. But when you talk about the, what goes into it, everybody does it a little bit differently because Alex played a lot of it and electric guitar parts. The process was, uh, once we really got into a process, I would come over to his studio, I would record the acoustic, do an acoustic scratch tr track, and then he would be sitting at the drums, and with me in the room, he would play along to that click track and to the, to the feel of it, and I would coach, he would look at me, we'd punch in, fix things, and then once the drum track was there, then we could really start going to work on filling it out. You get the core, the bass, the acoustic, the electric guitars, and then all of the little extra stuff would come later. So the process itself took a lot longer, but I had so much more input, and I had an opportunity to play all of the acoustic uh, guitars. I played on, on all of the tracks, which I didn't get a chance to do with the stuff when I was working with Nashville guys. So it's a lot, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anybody to do it, especially as a solo artist without a full band where you just come in and Buddy sits down and we nail it in a few takes. Uh, it's a long process, but I had a lot more uh, control and I grew a lot more from. So Drew and I were talking earlier, and he had mentioned that one of the standout tracks for him, especially, was "Singing Over You." Could you talk a little bit about the background of that song? Yeah, that one came on one of the scariest nights for me as a dad, and there's that passage in Zephaniah talks about the fact that God is mighty to save and that he's singing over you and me. And I, and I love, I've, I've always loved that picture. I think it's so important to remember in a world that is just seizing with, uh, with wrath and, and what sin does to people that in the hardest moments, most confusing moments, you have a God that is a mighty to save and he knows you personally and is singing over you. So speaking into our shame uh, speaking into our anxieties and reminding us that there's a line in there in the third verse that 
says, in, in your nakedness, you're blessed. And that one will probably require a little bit of explanation because it's not something you put in Christian music. Picture of being naked, utterly vulnerable, and completely open, that when we're completely open and vulnerable with our God, that, that we would say we're at our weakest, and God says, no, you're at your strongest, because that's when I am, I am most present when you are naked. And so that's what I, I wanted to try to bring us to, that God is singing over us and that there's a space that you can be safe enough to be naked for your God, because he loves you that much and he, he's mighty to save. Uh, so that was kind of the, the, the basic background on that one. Sure. How is the creation of this album different from projects you've done in the past, aside from the whole Nashville recording versus here and things like that, but actually just going through the uh, the years and the songs and then getting it to people? I think that was probably most different about this one is being pushed by a producer. Uh, some of the lines in the songs got better because Alex wouldn't let me settle what are you trying to say? What do you, what do you really want to say here? He would bring up that, you know, in uh, everything for good. And we know that for all time, you will never leave. You work all things for our good in light of eternity. That line wasn't in there, but Alex was saying, man, Mike, I demand that you put something here. <laughs> and so being pushed, I think it, it was scary for me because, you know, you're putting your heart up there to say it and have somebody say it's not good enough. Uh, is what it feels like. But this one, more than any other album, having somebody to say, we can do this better. We can say this differently. And if I if I disagreed, I knew I had a reason why, instead of just saying, well, I'm the artist and this is what I wrote. So that's, that's the thing that was really different for me. And I, for a lot of our young songwriters that are out there too, and even our experienced ones, uh, just inviting people into that process, somebody you can trust, I think it's a really, really good thing for your art. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So you you talked a couple times how you just felt like you've really been pushed on this album more than the other projects, especially working with Alex. Uh, in what ways or areas do you feel like you've grown the most and you know changed for the better as you continue to work on getting more and more music out there? Time, tempo. <laughs> <laughs> now, the click track doesn't lie. That's probably something a lot of people don't know. And you know, if you're in studio world and trying to put an album together. Everything is on a click track. Everything needs to line up. And you can be a little wishy-washy. Live albums can be like that uh, sometimes, but but really practicing your parts. You know, even stuff like finger picking. You know, if your fingernails aren't cut right, uh, and I don't use my fingernails. I use the skin of my thumb and my, and my fingers. Uh, so if my fingernail is too long and it sticks and it picks, it just screws the tempo up and how you play. So it was some little things like that. I'm reminded when I do concerts, especially, you know, just to, am I prepared the way that I need to be? And so I think that the studio process helps me think about my own preparation for live playing, live music. That's probably one of the biggest things. Well, Mike, I'm sure those who have been listening to this show are wondering now, where can we hear this album? Where can we listen to it? Yeah, you can listen to it uh, everywhere that uh, people consume uh, music. I work with CD Baby, so if you're looking to order a physical copy, uh, which I'm a big fan of physical copies, I don't know about you guys. Uh, I hope that 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 idea comes back. <laughs> but you can uh, you can get it uh, through CD Baby. You can also email me directly. You can pay through pay- PayPal. 
Uh, but then we're on Spotify. We'd love to, to see uh, more people be able to take advantage of that. You know, Amazon Music, uh, all of those different places. So you can go to my website at MikeWestendorf.com. We've got a number of the links that are there to be able to go and get to the set lists and information. So it's, it's available wherever you listen to music. Now, the real question is, does CD Baby also produce vinyl records? You know, they <laughs> do, which is funny, yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, I'm now running into people who are like, I don't have a CD player, but I have a record player. <laughs> right. What? what is happening? <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, it's all those hipsters, right? Oh, I, should I tell about. you, yeah. <laughs> I can't wait till the CD becomes nostalgic again. They're like, we, do you have CDs? Yeah. Brain implants. We put it in. It becomes the soundtrack. You synthesize it into your head. That's awesome. Uh, so, Mike, real quick before you take off, I'm wondering if you could give just like a final word of encouragement for others who are working on a big project or maybe are struggling to see how something creative that they're doing fits into the bigger scheme. Because this obviously took a lot of time. And I'm sure there were a lot of, is this worth it? Is it not? Is this really going to work? Is it not? Uh, so, do you have any encouragement? Yeah, it, I've talked to to several artists, who, you know, over the last probably five or six years, and I've had I've had guys talk to me too, and just from my own experiences to say, as as hard as hard as it may be, safeguard your heart. Don't give in to the pressure that it has to be released at a certain time, and that I have to get all of this stuff done, and I have to do it like the label artists do, and don't compare yourself with other people and and the work that's being done. You do the very best with what you have and with what you can afford to do. You don't stress out about, you know, releasing it before Christmas or after Christmas or at a certain kind of day. Don't put a date on it until you really feel comfortable and that you're ready. But the last piece I would say is release it. Put it out into the world. It is, it is a, a, a gift that God has given you to give to the world. And if nobody ever hears it, God did. And as hard as it is for our human hearts to be satisfied with that, be content that God will use it in the places that he sees fit, on the platform that he develops, and don't quit. Keep going. Take the stress off. You don't have to conform to the way that everybody else does it, but do it for Jesus' sake. Do it for his glory, and then be at peace with what happens. Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks, Mike, for sharing that. And thanks for taking time to, to come on the show, too. It was great to, to hear a lot of the process behind it and, uh, you know, just see how something like this can come together. That's really cool. Yeah, well, thank you for the opportunity. The uh, Hearts and Hands logo is sitting on the back of the, the physical CD. So I, I view you guys as a, as a partner in ministry. So uh, we're hoping that uh, if the album is able to go out further. More people might even hear about uh, the work that you guys are doing, too. So keep going. Yeah, and that's another thing for those listening. Please share. If you see Mike Westendorf music on social media, share his stuff because God is doing great things. Yeah, and we'd, we'd appreciate it. It would be great to have these, these songs go into more people's ears and hearts. Awesome. Well, thanks, Mike. Have a great day. Thank you. That wraps it up for another episode of the podcast. As always, if you have people you'd like to hear from or questions you'd like answers to, feel free to reach out to us at heartsandhandspodcast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on any social media platform at Wells Creatives. And be sure to check out our Patreon page. There you can get access to uncut episodes and certain bonus content. Check us out at patreon.com slash heartsandhandspodcast. Thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next time.